0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Newslang. I am music journalist Thomas Mooney, your faithful host. You're listening to episode 98 where I am joined by one of my favorite songwriters, Aubrey Sellers. Aubrey released her second album, Far From Home, way back in early February. What I really like about Aubrey's songwriting sound and style is just how it's fierce and there's typically like a huge force behind these elements. Now, I don't want you to confuse her being bold for just like bashing you over the head with these like rock and roll, rock star kind of moments. That's not necessarily what I mean. There are those moments, but that's not necessarily what I mean by bold. There's these intimate moments. There's these times where she kind of draws back the curtain and shows that natural vulnerability of like the human condition. But even in those moments, there's this sharpness to him. There's this kind of this shimmering, steely glow what I really like about this album is how the sonic qualities really channel what she's singing about. Um, if she's being really, really bold and really confident, the music reflects that. She's being really, really vulnerable or talking about an intimate moment. She's kind of putting them in this like atmospheric bubble where it's almost whispery in a, in a way. They went out to Sonic Ranch to cut this record. So there's this desert aura to it as well that they kind of capture and they... They really embrace that that warmth. I know Aubrey has often dubbed her music as quote-unquote garage country, and she really hones in on what that is, like what the heart of what quote-unquote garage country is. What I think that is is like they, they focus in on these like really raw elements, one of them being Aubrey's vocals, and in turn, That means there's a focus on her lyrics i really love how crystal clear her vocals typically are they're always out in front and she never gets lost in the mix and another one of those really raw elements is how sharp the guitars are they're really steely and sometimes like they just feel like shards of glass coming at you at times all of those can feel like the mood setter the tone setter of a song and then at other times they can feel like they are just part of the puzzle far from home is really kind of like if you took Dead Weather's first album and blended it with Loretta Lynn's Van Leer Rose. As a fan of albums, I encourage you to start every album from the beginning, but if you insist on a sampling first, check out the song Haven't Even Kissed Me Yet. It's really kind of like the epitome of all those vibrant elements that I've been talking about. Before we get started, if this is your first time listening to New Slang, I highly encourage you to hit that subscribe button. New slang is currently on Well, virtually every podcast platform there is, so you'll be able to find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so on. I'd also highly appreciate if you gave the podcast a five-star rating, write a review. If you do, tell me who have been your favorite guests. And then also mention who you think I should be trying to get on. Follow me on all the social media platforms to further the music conversation. I'm at underscore New Slang on Twitter and Instagram. It's just New Slang on Facebook. And sorry, no TikTok. That's just a bridge too far for me. All right, I hope y'all enjoy it. Here is Aubrey Sellers. I guess we can start out with, you know, obviously you just released this new record at the beginning of the year. Um, You released it well before, like, the quarantine or anything like that. Um, but it's obviously affected you having to pause going it on going on tour and everything. Um what what have like have have you done to I guess like have, have you just had to like just put everything on pause or has it been more like just up in the air or full yeah, cancelled or what? What's kind of been your
1: the record came out February 7th, so it was before it, but it wasn't too far before it. I mean, it was just a couple weeks in that it started becoming apparent that things were canceling, you know, um, like the NBA canceled and then South by Southwest. And I kind of had a feeling pretty early on that even if we could go on this tour that, or you know, I had really three tours that I was doing. Um, One was my tour. That was the big one, you know, of as far as how many shows I was playing and all that, but, and it was in my headlining shows with Lily May, but, um, it kind of became apparent to me that even if we could technically go on tour that, you know, I, I didn't think that people were going to come out. And so, um, I remember saying pretty early on, I felt like it wasn't going to happen. And then, you know, but of course we didn't want to jump the gun on it. So we just waited and kind of waited to see what was happening. And then more and more festivals were canceling all the way into next year. And, uh, and then it just became apparent that it obviously we couldn't physically couldn't even do it if we wanted to. But I, I'm not sure I would have wanted to anyway, just because, you know, for the health, health and safety of not only people coming out with the shows, but my band and, and us. And uh, so we've been, you know, doing live streams like everybody else and uh, doing interviews and, and things like that. But it it does kind of feel like it just stopped everything, <laughs> you know, and I know it's a weird weird year to put out a record. I know I'm not the only person that's, that's going through that. And so, um, you know, I was lucky to have, be able to play a a few shows at the beginning of the year, but, um, the majority of my touring has been canceled for the, for, you know, for the foreseeable future into next year, probably. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird time and I'm, I've been spending a lot of time doing other stuff as well. You know, I'm, I'm going back to school and, uh, you know, I've been working on my camper I have a Shasta camper and and just kind of trying to stay busy and and my grandmother started a mask business on Etsy she's been selling masks and so I've been helping her with that and just kind of adapting.
0: Yeah it it seems like the the people who have just adapted well to this has have been the ones who have found something else to fill the time with. Um, Yeah. Obviously, like I just think I would be going nuts kinda... if
1: I was only focused on, on, you know, my record. And of course that's obviously a huge focus for me still, but there's just only so much you can do, you know, most of our business now as artists is, is touring centric, you know? And, and so it's just kind of like, there's, there's nothing we can do about it. So you gotta, gotta adapt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I guess like back in the day, you know, you made a record so you could go on tour or you, you, would Go on tour because you made a record, and then now it's like yeah. the other way around. So it's, um, but it, it's been interesting seeing people, um, talking with people lately because, yeah, they have like they've found other things to fill their time and whatever it can be to to create a, some structure in their life because like even with me like, doing more podcasts has given me structure because like writing has kind of just dwindled down simply because, you know, there's not as much, it seems weird because there's a lot more stuff to write about, but like there's less places to write about this stuff. So then it's, but it's just been doing more podcasts and stuff and more interviews. But, you know, um, you're not like the first person to have mentioned finding other stuff, other things to, um, occupy their time. Have you, what, how has it been? Artistically, though, have you has it meant more writing or has it meant more doing anything musically or artistically? Yeah,
1: you know, I've worked on a couple demos for things, which is not something I normally do. I don't normally make demos before I make a record. Uh, I normally just have the word type of the song and then go in and record it. And so I've been doing a couple things that I don't normally do. Um, and I've been working on another project that I'm going to put out as well. Um, during this time. Um, but yeah, I've, I've really kind of taken, it's hard for me since I just put out a record and was so geared up to go into promo mode and like touring and all that, that, that I don't really feel like I'm in the space yet or ready yet to like work on a new record or, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm ready for that. So I've been working a little bit on it, but, um, it's not like that's where my head is at really at this time.
0: Yeah. Like I, I imagine that whenever you're, whenever you put out a record, because like, okay, like for me, after I finish an article or something, I always feel like my brain is mush, like right after, like <laughs> I just like, yes. okay, I've, I'm exhausted by putting all this energy into this idea. I imagine that's the same way for a song, or you know, tenfold when it's when it's a, a record, because you're just kind of like you had put all this creative juice into this one thing and then, you know, obviously you this record and, um, but it's such a weird time obviously now because of the, just like a simple pause. Like it feels like everyone wants you to put a pause on, on life, but <laughs> totally. then like, there's not really, it's weird because like there's time is still passing. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's for sure how it is for me. Um, like, you know, I, I get, I kind of put my brain into d- to different modes, you know what I mean? And for sure, when I'm spending a lot of creative energy on something, um, I definitely have to get, I, I'm a like, I work on things in kind of bursts, you know? And, and so, um, I'm, I'm definitely not the kind of steady, slow and steady kind of worker, you know, I'll work on something for two weeks and work on it more intensely than anyone has ever worked on something before, you know, like that's kind of how I work. And so, um, you know, I feel like I have to be in the right headspace to, to, to do that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, and I just don't feel the inspiration right now to fully throw myself into making a new project, like you're saying. And yeah. And I feel like when I work on something, it, it can be kind of, yeah. Draining. Like you said, like, I don't feel like, uh, I have, uh, the inspiration or the creative juices or whatever flowing that I need to, to, uh, create something that I'm proud of.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned your camper. Like I know you you've been posting some photos and stuff like that. I was actually <laughs> going to ask you about that. Um like what what's what's I guess the camper story? Are you what 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 is your your goal with with having the the camper and everything?
1: <laughs> yeah, I bought it. I've had it for a while. Um actually when I was younger I was obsessed with RVs. I don't know if it's cuz I grew up on a tour bus or what, but like I just love the idea of having your house on wheels and and so I I found this uh Shasta camper maybe five years ago. Um, and you know, it was, it was, a they only made about a hundred of this specific one that I have. And then the company that made them got bought out. So they just stopped making them. So it's actually kind of hard to find them and, and find information on them because they're so rare, but, uh, yeah, but I was obsessed with RVs when I was little. I remember, ca- uh, calling like the there was like an R V commercial that used to play on TV and I called and got their brochure and stuff. And so I've just been obsessed with with that stuff since so I was a little girl. And and so anyway, when I found this one, I was super excited about it. My mom had an airstream and so I'm just, you know, I'm kinda used to, to the camper lifestyle. And um and I just find it really fun to have your house on wheels and, and take it wherever. So I've had it. It's been sitting at my I moved out to California two years ago. And uh it's been sitting in my dad's house in Tennessee. So I, I picked it up finally and I'm taking it out there and uh, I'm kind of at the halfway point right now in Texas and I'm just fixing it up and cleaning it out and getting it ready again. Cause it's been sitting for a while. And, and since uh you know, touring probably isn't going to be a thing for a while. I just figured I'd have more time to travel and, and do that kind of stuff for fun uh, this year. And, and maybe uh I'll be inspired and, and kind of fill my cup again.
0: Yeah. Is that part, is, is partly part of this, like, I don't know, like the, the decluttering of life stuff, you know, like the, is it Murray Kondo? Like the, is, <laughs> like,
1: is, the, what is that called? Spark Joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Does it, does it, spark yeah.
1: I joy? mean, that always feels good to me to kind of clean everything out and, kind of take care of all the I think a lot of people right now are taking care of a bunch of stuff that they you know kind of put on the back burner or whatever and I've been wanting to do this for a while and I thought that I would I was kind of conf- like having trouble figuring out how I was going to get it all the way out to LA from Tennessee because I didn't want to drive my truck all the way to Tennessee and then all the way back out to California and blah 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 so it just kind of worked out perfectly my dad ended up bringing it to me at the halfway point and um and so it just worked out and gave me something to do. And, and I'm excited to uh, bring it up and down the West coast. Cause I think like the Northwest is some of the prettiest scenery in the whole country.
0: Yeah. I've always kind of liked um, RVs and camper trailers too. And like we had one growing up and it just felt weird though. When like my dad sold it, like I felt like slightly betrayed in a way. <laughs> like, <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: how could you give this up? You know? And, I think he, we ended up getting another one soon thereafter. But, like, it's – I don't know. I, I've always kind of been, like, super – I'm probably too attached to things to, to like, fully live in a camper trailer or anything like that or in a mini home.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to live in it full time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could. But, you know, my boyfriend uh, is a musician and has a ton of studio gear and stuff like that. And so, I mean, we could – I mean, even if I wanted to, he couldn't, you know. I can, I can pretty much live without stuff. The only thing I have a lot of is books <laughs> and mm-hmm. I also have two cats and I don't think they want to live in a, a little camper. <laughs> yeah. I, uh,
0: do you know, Emily Scott Robinson by chance?
1: I, I know, um, of her. Yeah.
0: Okay. So she, I did a podcast with her a couple weeks back and she and her husband live in a, um, a trailer and, um, they've lived in it for a couple of years, but like, we had like this hour long conversation about the tiny home aspects of it all. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like they're, I think she said, like, they're looking to like not live in it anymore soon after, after this, but like, it was a, a good experience. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it, I still like when I was talking to her, I'm like, I don't know if I can just give up all this stuff that I <laughs> have now, you know? So, totally. Um,
1: I mean, it's... you put in storage, I thought about it. I thought, cause you know, honestly having this store canceled and everything, I thought, good Lord, I don't know what our LA is expensive to live in, you know? And, and I just didn't know. And I thought if I had to, could I move everything into storage and live in this, you know? And, and, you know, I think I could, but mine's pretty small. Theirs is probably bigger. Um, and I would also say if, if I lived alone, then I might be able to do it. But with, with, uh, the both of us and the two cats, I think I might, it might drive me insane. We, we like to have our own space to, to do stuff and decompress and <laughs> I'm pretty introverted. So I need like an absurd amount of alone time <laughs> and like time to recharge. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I could do it full time and stay sane with someone else.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's, it is so weird because like, I feel like you have to have like that. You have to have like your own little space within right. that space, and if it's so small, then it you're just like on top of each other, and you know. Um, I guess like one of the aspects of of that is it the tiny home is supposed to push you out into the into nature and stuff, but you know I don't know like it's uh, <laughs> it's so easy to like just sit in front of the TV or like in front totally. of totally or just wherever you can listen to music or anything. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I, let's move on to your record. You, re, you, uh, recorded this over near El Paso at Sonic Ranch. Yeah. Um, I've obviously heard like a, there's plenty of stories about how, um, amazing that place is to, to create a record, um, just like the atmosphere and the, the scenery or lack thereof. And, mm-hmm. um, what was that like for y'all making this record out there and just kind of getting away from the usual to make a record?
1: For sure. I, um, was very inspired, you know, kind of leading up to this record by a lot of what I call desert music, very kind of like Quentin Tarantino soundtracks and like the Ventures in space record, which, you know, I know there's surf rock, but I feel like that record in particular is kind of spacey and deserty sounding to me. And, and uh, so I've been listening to a lot of stuff like that. And um, and when I heard about the studio, I was like, this seems like the perfect place to go. And also I just love the fact that, you know, you all go there together and you stay there the whole time you're tracking. And so, you know, there's no, you're, you're fully in making this record and everybody's getting outside of Nashville and, and, you know, I really do think that your surroundings affect what you're making and, and, you know, kind of help you get into a new headspace. And it felt a little bit like, especially in Nashville, since everyone, you know, makes music full time. It, it can get a little routine, I think, there, and become kind of more like a regular job. And and I think doing something like this, going somewhere like Sonic Ranch, kind of takes you out of that and and just puts your head into a new space. And and so, um, it was really fun. And and I like the fact that we could all be there and and uh, and immerse ourselves. You know, so that was the first time I'd done that. The first record we made was in Nashville at a studio there and that was great too. But, um, but yeah, I just thought not only was, was it cool for us all to be there together, but, but it was cool to, that there was a studio that kind of fit that vibe that I was feeling. And I really do think that it influenced the way it sounded and, and uh, I think it fit kind of what I had in my head as a vision for this record.
0: Yeah. There's something very um, just special about, a quote-unquote like destination record you know Mm -hmm. it it feels very much like you uh you a have to like focus like it's great that that is like the focus of the time that you're you spent there and it's not necessarily feeling like you're you know cut and pasting a a record together but it more feels like you're you know you're recording a an event or something Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um you know I was talking to someone about that the other day and for me, like I love records, records that sound cohesive, records that sound like they were intentionally a record, if that makes sense, you know, they, oh, they're absolutely. sonically cohesive yeah. and and they feel like you want to sit down and listen to the whole thing. And those are the records that I loved, like Robert Planton, uh, Allison Krauss, raising Sand. And, um, the, you know, the record that Jack White produced for L- Red Alin, Van Leer Rose, and records that really feel like albums and, and, and uh, cohesive pieces of music so anyway yeah I love records that you can sit down and listen to and so you know I know that maybe I won't always be able to maybe I won't be able to make another record like that I mean it's it's something that you know uh it, it's a I know it's a way of recording that a lot of people don't do anymore and sometimes isn't accessible because you know it, it costs money to track like that and I happened to have be on a major label when I made this record so you know um who knows if i would be able to do it again but but it was a really great experience and, uh, and if you can make a record that way, it's, it's, you know, the way I like to do it for sure.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. The, um, you know, you mentioned like the, the deserty kind of qualities. Like, I feel like that's something that really sticks out on this record. The, um, I don't know, like it's just very atmospheric. It feels like you guys, like you guys just kind of, um, what I think this is something that I don't know, that's maybe um, that that sometimes we don't do when we're making records. I say we, I don't know why I'm saying we, I don't, I don't make <laughs> records, but like something, sometimes like the, the out, the outside the box idea is to just know exactly what this record's going to be and then mm-hmm. use like the, the tones and the textures that are in that box. You get what I'm saying? It felt like like this record is something that you guys used these seven or eight colors, and like that's what you guys created this record out of, without trying to be too far out on a certain song, or you know what I mean, or try and like be or like uh, make a record that's super totally diverse just for the sake of diversity and showing that you can do eight different kinds of music stylings or something.
1: (laughs) Totally. Um, You know, what's interesting to me is that, you know, I tell everybody, you know, I co produce the record and I tell everybody when I'm making the record, kind of what I'm going for. And a lot of it just comes out of listening to the songs or whatever else. But, you know, I I don't like to give too much direction to players. I think it's more about getting the right players in the room and and letting people play and letting it kind of happen organically and then kind of nudging it in one direction or another. But What's funny to me is how much the record lines up with what I kind of, I guess, envisioned for it going in without having to kind of lay it out black, in black and white. Does that make sense? I think a lot of it's about getting in the room and getting the right people in the room. And when I have these people in the room that I've written a lot of these songs with, then you know that you naturally kind of line up as far as what your sonic influences are. And, and everybody just kind of got it, I think, on, a, on another level. Um And so it's really cool, I think, to be able to get the right people in the room and and have that happen organically and and make sure that you're just working with people who inspire you and and, um you know, are willing to play around and, and experiment. And, and that's what I think is special is when something comes out of it that, you know, to me, that's I've had people ask me, like, would you like to add this song to this record for a bonus track or blah, 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 you know, after the fact. And and, you know. I'll consider it. But then I just think, you know, that was a moment in time and I I don't think tacking something onto the end of it would, would feel right to me because it was such a moment that I feel like you can't really recreate and and I don't want to tarnish it by, you know, throwing something else on there a year later or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting to to think of like, I guess like this is one of those, uh, of the arts, like to have the, that idea of your envision of what, you want it to sound like but then trying to get that across to actually make it happen um you know you you mentioned that like this this record sounded like what you wanted it to sound like what you had in your head uh how did that vision i guess morph over time and evolve yeah
1: um you know i made this record three years ago so it's you know remembering the entire process leading up to it is uh it's kind of difficult for me because I have a terrible memory (laughs) but what's really funny is you know almost actually everyone that played on this record played on my first record except for one addition who is Ethan Ballinger who plays my live band and is, is my boyfriend and has been playing with me for five years and um and he was an addition on this record and I think really added a lot to it and and So I think that's really a testament to how much, one, the environment we're in to the songs that I had for this record. And three, just adding one person in who, you know, is bringing a little bit different flavor and, and new influences can kind of all make that much of a difference between what my first record sounded like and what this one sounds like. Now, I don't think it's that different because it's still me. You know, it's still kind of in the same world, but but you can definitely hear kind of different uh Touches and overlays, I think, because of those reasons, and and so yeah, I think that um, it's interesting how much little things can can have a can kind of make a, a big impact. And like I said, it's a moment in time. You know, it was let's see, I made my first record in 2013 or something, and that was four years before I made this one. So you know, uh, even that space of time and all of these different factors can come in and. and and really help you. So it's not like I got a new producer and, you know, a whole new band and, and anything like that. It's just all those other factors I think really came in to make this something special and different, uh, from the first record.
0: Yeah. Um, I I do think that like Ethan's playing has like a, a different, a a definite like texture added Mm -hmm. to the record. Um, I guess like I, I don't really know him or anything like that, but where I know him is, uh, his work with Ryan Colwell and Mm -hmm. and that last record that Ryan did. And I just felt like that you could just, I don't know, like I've known Ryan for a while and that new record, um, that he put out a couple of years back, you could just, there was just something, this this extra element that was added. Mm -hmm. And I can, I think it's the same thing that you can apply to your record, uh, just that I don't know, like it, it feels like sometimes we um, like people can just like fly, fall into the same kind of guitar tones and um, like people can just like it, I feel like especially like in, in like local music scenes, you you wind up having it where like this these people like use the same guitar players, the same drummers yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and like just all of that at some point, um, it sounds like the same people because it is the same people. And it feels like this was such a, um, just a little bit more of a fresh feel. And I don't know, like, I I just, I really like how, how that, like his, his guitar just kind of like, like I said, it's very atmospheric and, um, just refreshing in a lot of ways.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, that Ryan Colwell record is one of my favorite things I've ever heard. Ethan is an incredible producer and Ryan's an incredible artist. And I feel like those two together made something so super cool. I will still listen to it on the regular. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. And even on my first record, you know, like you were just saying, you know, I lived in Nashville, grew up in Nashville. And, and uh, it was really important to me to have people play on my record that weren't playing on everything else, you know, um, for the exact reason you said, because people have a voice and and also a lot of people in, in Nashville, it becomes kind of like a job to them and they go in and they just throw down the track as fast as they can. And it, it's not about, it's not the same creative process. And so for me, you know, making music, bringing in people like Ethan or Adam Wright, who played on both my records and I write a lot with, you know, I also wrote with three of the people playing on my record you know and so I'm I'm really inspired by people who are artists and have a really distinct voice like they're all great guitar players but they don't play they're not really session players as much you know um and I love I love that because they have a really distinct voice and I feel like it brings something unique to the to the music and and I just I love to listen to all their music and all the stuff they make and just really inspired by by the other stuff that they do as well
0: This episode is sponsored by Wicker's Mesquite Smoked Jalapeno Jelly. It's owned and operated by my buddy Wes Wicker, who makes the jelly in small batches for the best quality and freshness. He smokes the peppers with mesquite and uses pure cane sugar to make the jelly. What you get is this great blend of smoky, sweet, and spicy. It's addictively savory. For those uninitiated, Wicker's is a great addition to any chef's kitchen. Part of what makes Wicker's so great is just how versatile it really is. For starters, it makes a great meat glaze. Throw it on a batch of hot wings, use it on some pork ribs, some pork chops, really whatever you can think of. Eat it on biscuits, cornbread, bagels, or toast. Throw it on a ham or turkey sandwich. Another super simple but effective way is to get some cream cheese, throw some wickers on top, and then grab your favorite cracker. Wickers is currently stocked at a handful of places in Lubbock and on the South Plains, as well as some Fort Worth and DFW locations. But the easiest way to get your hands on a jar is to head over to wickerstx.com. That's W-I-C-K-E-R-S-T-X.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes for good measure. They currently come in two varieties, original and now hot, if you need just a little bit more kick in your bite. You can order anything from one jar to a case of 12, whatever fits your needs. Again, that's wickerstx.com. Okay, back to the show. Now on this record right here, you I, I, there's a couple of moments where like, you know, I, I guess like it's what I would call like a balance. Um, you, you have like a lot of these vulnerable moments, this like real raw uh, intimacy, but then also at the same time, you know, there's these really, uh, you have some swagger, you know, you have like a little bit of some, you know, uh, attitude. Um, is that something that you think about, like that you, that you're trying to balance with, or does it just kind of, you know, after the fact you go, Oh yeah, there's the, the multiple sides (laughs) of Aubrey sellers. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you know, when I'm writing, I just write whatever's coming to me. And I think the narrowing down process definitely comes when I'm putting the record together. And, you know, I went in to make this record with over 20 songs and and didn't know what I was going to put on. You know, I had a strong feeling about most of the songs that ended up on there, you know, but, you know, a few extras that I wasn't sure about and didn't know, you know, what was going to end up on there. And, and, uh, I think I'm a very emotional writer and a very personal writer. You know, I, um, I write everything from a, Kind of personal perspective and an emotional perspective. So if I'm feeling really strongly about something, it, you know, it could be that I'm angry or whatever else. And I think a lot of those kind of maybe tongue-in-cheek or kind of more uh, rowdy songs come from that. And and then same thing for the intimate moments. And so yeah, I think when putting the record together, um, there's a little bit of balance in there, but a lot of that I think just happens naturally with the songs that you're feeling inspired by, and and um, you know. I love that stuff, especially when we're making records to do some of those more intimate songs. And I used to be really uncomfortable playing those types of songs live. It's really fun to me to kind of rock out live and play some of the more rock stuff live. But, um, but like haven't even kissed me out on this record is a super intimate one. And one I've been playing um, pretty much solo acoustic on tour, which is something I don't normally do. And, and so it's uh it's definitely a process after the fact to just becoming comfortable with with playing some of that stuff live that's felt so intimate to me.
0: Yeah. That one specifically, like the, um, I I don't know if I could say like, it's like a flash of like Polaroids or something, but it feels very like where, um, a lot of songs, I guess like where you can pull or you can draw from old experiences or feelings. That one feels like, um, that it's exactly like a specific experience without like adding drama or detail or like fabricated detail to make it bigger. That one just felt like really just, I don't know, intensely raw and like highly emotional.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a true story and Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, there's no no embellishments to it. And, and uh, you know, I worry sometimes about songs like that because I think, is anyone else going to connect with something that was such a literal or personal story? But it seems like people really lean into that. And I feel like they're able to imprint their own emotions and, and whatever overlay their own experiences onto it, you know? And so, um, it's been one that I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about. I think people have really connected with it for that reason. And, and, you know, um, I, it has kind of like, a little bit of a different song structure, you know, as far as like, it's just so simple in that way, but I wanted it to feel like I just sat down and wrote it in one sitting on the couch because that's what I did, you know? And I feel like that's what gives it that, that feeling because it's just, that's how it honestly went down, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it, it has a very cinematic kind of feel too. And this is a little bit, um, like the, the story, this is not anything like this, the story remotely, but uh, what it reminded me of is the way, um, have you ever watched uh, what's the oh, I'm blanking on it now. Oh, eyes wide shut.
1: Um, I actually have never seen that movie, I know okay. what it is, obviously. Okay, so like
0: Nicole Kidman <laughs> in that movie is like explain or telling a story to Tom Cruise's character, and they're like a married couple, and It's a very, very intense scene, but like they're just in their bedroom and she's telling this story to Tom, who's like sitting on, she's sitting on the floor. He's sitting on like the edge of the bed and she had just like, they had just smoked some pot and like just the way she told the story really is like, it's very soft and very intense and um, that's what it reminded me of mostly is that scene. But the thing is, is that like, if you go watch it, you're going to go, well, that's not any, like the story is like, nothing. the story is like that. She's tell, tells him is like the, um, <laughs> how she almost cheated on him once. And, like, but like, it's a very, like just the way how soft she is, is like,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. A lot of the things that you, I don't know, like you pull from that song. Um, I have to
1: watch it for sure. No, yeah. I, I get it. It's the vibe of it. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Now, like the one question I I just I thought of this earlier because I was listening to the record. Um, The very beginning of that song, it sounds similar to Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. (laughs) Is that uh, I'm assuming like that's not like on purpose or maybe. No, it
1: wasn't intentional. Uh, I had someone else. Someone else said that to me and I thought. No, it wasn't intentional, but, um, maybe I should pretend like it was <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be like an homage to that song. you like a, like a, uh, like uh stranger things, what do they call it? the other world? It's like the, it's like the flip uh, the flip side down. of that song.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like it's, um, cause it's, I guess that song right there is a little bit more upbeat. Um, but For like sure. it, it, there's like these little, like, I don't know, like the atmosphere, the, uh, it feels very, very similar, but, and then I didn't know just cause like they're both about kiss me. So, um, yeah, I
1: wonder if it has, if it didn't have the words kiss me in it, if, if anyone would say that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now also on this record, you, you go into, um, like mental health and anxiety and some like really intimate Um, aspects of of yourself that aren't like I think like most people think of like intimacy as relationship wise but like Mm -hmm. those are very intimate and very um, vulnerable places as well is it easy is it easy for you to write about stuff like that or is it is that part of like more or less um, helping you cope with anxiety and etc
1: yeah I think you know, when I'm writing songs, like I said earlier, I'm not really thinking about, because I don't ever have to play it for anyone. You know what I mean? When I'm writing it, if I choose so later. So I think it's more uh, when I'm putting together a record or maybe even when I'm releasing the record that I start thinking maybe this is too intimate. I don't know. But um, but for me, yeah, it's just, it comes from a place of writing. You know, everybody says the old cliche that writing is like therapy, but it really is. I mean, if you're, you know, sometimes it's just a way to express yourself and, and get some of that stuff out. I'm a huge journaler too. So, you know, that's been a way over my life to kind of just like get things out of yourself and put them on paper or put them in a song really, for some reason, seems to kind of release some of that energy. And and so, yeah, um, I wrote worried mind about my anxiety. And, and then I also wrote a, an accompanying piece in the African post about it. That was kind of goes into a little more detail and it's just been something that, you know, I've dealt with, my whole life looking back i think didn't realize it you know growing up that that i was like an overly anxious individual until i got older and it it became more prominent but um but yeah i think the reason i write songs like that and, and love to play them live is just because people that's another one that people have really mentioned a lot to me because you know they'll they'll say it's something they've been through or something i had somebody come up and say i'm gonna play this song for my wife because she she goes through this and you know it's just really nice to know that when you share those experiences it can maybe help someone or at least help them know that they're not alone in that experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, um, yeah, I I don't know. Like I feel like, um, I was talking with with someone the other day about how now this is like coming from like a male perspective, how like growing up, like, uh, you're kind of like never told to, like express any kind of like those those doubts in yourself um, when it comes mm-hmm. to anything like that, um, but like as this this new this newer generation, it's been a little bit more easy to to talk about therapy and talk about being like not a quote unquote you know strong man you know or just a strong individual um, for sure. I, I think like it's it's very important and kind of like, you know, essential to uh for other people to understand that like everyone kind of goes through these things and that like I think for so many people songwriters and artists are heroes and you can easily get like a sense that, you know, these people are, you know, just they're superheroes. They're not flawed in any kind of way. And just I guess like, you know, pulling back that curtain is it can be, you know, essential and, uh, very important and profound for people in their lives.
1: For sure. Like you said, normalizing it, I think is a really good thing because especially therapy, um, seems like such a normal thing to me. And and I hope that it becomes more and more that for other people becomes like going to the doctor or whatever else, because I think it's something that everyone can benefit from, you know, and, and uh yeah i think the more we talk about it the more people realize oh this is normal you know um, other people go through it and, and they're not ashamed to talk about it or or go get help or whatever they need so um like you said yeah it's like and of course gender stereotypes can play into that too and so the more we talk about uh that can can kind of lend itself to fixing some of those issues hopefully and help everybody just get better and be kinder to one another and feel more secure and safe.
0: Yeah. It's, it's strange because like, I guess also forever I've always heard, and you'll see a lot of people on social media talk about how, you know, um, listening to music is is the best thing that, that can happen when they're going through these rough times. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you'll also see them talk out the other side of their mouth and act as if like mental health or, you know, even admitting to having these hard, like going through struggles is, is like a weakness or something. And it's like, no, like you're, you're finding a way to cope (laughs) by listening to like music that makes you feel better or like makes you feel like you're being understood. So I don't know sometimes maybe like (laughs) talk with somebody or like, you know, (laughs) uh, write all this, I don't know, like find something that works for you also, you know, uh, totally.
1: And I think, like you said, people probably have coping mechanisms that they don't even realize are, are what, you know, coping mechanisms. And so, you know, uh, people don't, I think don't understand that to varying degrees, these are things that everybody goes through and they just, you know, uh, may not understand how much or how little, and they may not be aware. They, they may have grown up in a family or something that, that didn't kind of, like you said, encourage talking about stuff like that. And so I think a lot of people kind of suppress it until it becomes too much to bear later on in life. So it's, it's good to pay attention and be open to these things, uh, and kind of watch for patterns and and just be aware of what helps you and, and kind of what you need and, and not put other people down for what they need.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I'm 100% sure. Like it's one of those things where, uh, you know, for forever, you would see like these guys just drop dead from a heart attack at 50, you know? And it's like, well, what was, Oh my gosh, what happened? And it's like, no, there's probably cause they were holding literally everything in without, you know, <laughs> totally. talking to somebody. So, yes, uh,
1: and, and like you said, it's a generational thing too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it used to be much more, you know, people used to be much more closed off about that, um, for whatever reason. And, and, uh, definitely think it's, as time is going on, people are opening up more and more.
0: Yeah. Now as for like, obviously uh, I guess let's, I'm going to make a little break here. Like I tried to tell myself before. (laughs) 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 So like um, for you, like what is like your best space for, for songwriting? Like what do you try and like have it, even like if it's not not necessarily a routine, but do you, do you try and like create a certain, I don't know, space for songwriting, a certain like notebook or what have you?
1: I don't have any routine. <laughs> um, the only thing I do fairly consistently is I just have a running list of notes in my phone uh, or, you know, I'll record little snippets on my voice memos. Those are the kind of the only things I do consistently as far as just, oh, I have a little melody idea or, had a little line idea or whatever, and I'll write those down. And, and, uh and then when I'm feeling inspired to write, maybe go back and use some of those pieces, especially if I'm going to co-write with someone else. And, uh, you know, but I'm not a huge co-writer. I've done a lot of co-writing in the past, as far as like the kind of more traditional go to your 11am appointment in Nashville and write with, you know, two other writers or whatever. But For me it's more about like I said earlier writing with the people that I love and love to work with and and, uh, feels more like a collaboration in that way and so um yeah I don't have any specific routine I tend to write just when inspiration strikes or if I feel like let's say like you know six months from now I'm feeling like okay I'm I'm, I'm feeling kind of inspired I like maybe have an idea for a new direction for an album or whatever then I'll kind of get a fire under me and, and start writing more intentionally, you know, um, but it does happen for me and kind of bursts more so than consistently.
0: Yeah. Are you like a notebook writer or is it, you know, on the, do you have the laptop out or do you know, what, what is the, when it's it different to...
1: every time I have, I have written songs and I have written songs in, um, notebooks. Um, I have some, like a lot of the songs on the first record that are written in notebooks, but then, Yeah, a lot of the time I ran on my computer or my iPad or whatever else, and it's it's changed over time. I used to have an app on my iPad that they, I don't even think exists anymore, so I was actually trying to play some of the files off there the other day and couldn't even get them to play. So, uh, be careful with the kind of technology that you use because, uh, you know, it could uh, be defunct later, but um,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge notebook writer just because I travel so much. It's hard to carry a bunch of crap with me all, all the time, you know, so I try to keep it pretty light. But but yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I think I mix it up because for me, like, okay, I get out of pen and paper this time and it, it maybe kind of unlock something different in your brain, you know. And the same thing with a new environment or a new you know, person you're working with or whatever. I feel like mixing it up for me is the key to keeping things fresh and keeping things new.
0: Yeah. It, it's just a weird, like, I guess like the weird balance between like romanticism and practicality as far as like yeah. how you write. Um, Cause it's obviously so much easier to write on a computer, but then also at the same time, you know, are they going to, uh, <laughs> someone said this the other day was like, I, I just can't imagine, them like, uh, you know, the country music hall of fame museum, like having someone's laptop in there, you know, totally. <laughs> you know exactly. Like and and I've had like
1: actually lyrics in the hall of fame and uh, they were written in a notebook, you know? So like you said, they used my lyrics for light a day from a notebook cause I wrote them in a notebook, but some of my other songs I definitely did not. So uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think it would be kind of funny. To see like, yeah. you know, um,
1: I need my computer. So you're going to have to use a fake one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just here's <laughs> a, a jump drive that you can, <laughs> uh, yeah. something like that. I don't know. A Dropbox link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think like that, what reminds me of that is the, I don't even know where I've maybe like Reddit or something like some kid sending in a, uh, a Santa Claus letter with like a, a hyperlink address, but it being like of a photo or something. So it just had like a lot of random numbers and letters and stuff. <laughs> Maybe just like a photo of that and be like, this is, I don't know, Amarillo by morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't know. Stuff like that. This episode is sponsored by Smith iron and design. It's owned and operated by one of my good friends, Aaron Smith and his dad, Sonny, as the name implies, Smith Iron and Design specializes in creating custom metal and woodwork. They have a vast array of metal signs that are perfect wall decor that'll tie our room together. They design everything from welcome signs to family crests, flags and Texas cutouts. They have a series of these metal wreaths that are perfect for your front door and you are able to change them out depending on the season. Are you a sports fan? Well, there's nothing better than having a giant logo of your team on the wall of your den or office. When it comes to signage, the possibilities are really endless. What you should really do, though, is head over to smithironanddesign.com to get a look at their vast portfolio. That's smithironanddesign.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes as well. They don't just do signs either. Some of the smaller items are custom bottle openers and keychains. Then they also have bookshelves, TV stands, nightstands, and fire pits. You know, it was about a year ago, Aaron built me a custom shelf. I needed something new to store some of my vinyl and everything I had come across, either the shelves weren't big enough for LPs or it looked too bland or cheaply made or to be perfectly honest, too expensive. So I wound up talking with Aaron and about a week later, I was able to pick up this custom shelf unit that's just been amazing. It's incredibly sturdy, has a bit of a rustic feel, In my opinion, one of the best parts was just having so much control in the process. You can get them as tall as you want with the shelves at the perfect depth and length. Again, for me, this was for storing vinyl, so they had to be a certain height and depth. I've been thinking about getting a custom bookshelf companion piece soon as well. Now, for the most part, they primarily serve the Lubbock area and the South Plains, but for some of their smaller pieces, they're able to ship nationwide as well. Again, smithironanddesign.com. Now back to the show. Um, yeah, like, I guess, like, what also, like, I was going to ask about the, you know, you mentioned doing, like, the 11 a.m. Nashville rides. Do you kind of, like, think of, like, oh, here are the, I don't know, two or three ideas I have that maybe work in this? Or, like, what, I guess, like, what? What do you do to prep for something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I always have my running list of ideas in my phone, have those available, and then thinking about a co-write. I think sometimes you can go in. Like I've found that for myself, because I don't write for other artists, I really only write for myself. That it helps if I'm, especially if I'm writing with a newer person, to have a song like maybe half finished or almost done, like one one pounds trash on this record. Um I'd pretty much written a lot of already before I wrote with um Brendan Minson. And of course he brought a lot to the song as well, but I had never written with him before. And that's a little bit different because that's not your typical go sit down and co-write. I mean, you know, this was me seeking out an artist that I love and want to write with. It's a little it's a little different than if you're a publishing company or a label or somebody Sets you up to go write with a stranger if that's a professional full time songwriter, you know what I mean? It's just a, it feels like a different vibe, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 I always have ideas with me, but um, you know, s- hopefully the person you're writing with does as well, and you just kind of go in open minded and roll, you know, run through some ideas that you have, some ideas that they have, and kind of just feel the room and feel what everybody's feeling, and that's it just kind of happens organically in that way. and people are just different. Everybody writes differently. People, some people are really impatient and like to write really quickly. And I'm, I'm more of a slow, slow writer for sure. And, um, and also like if I'm not feeling something that's going down in the room, I tend to just kind of shut down. (laughs) Um, and you know, one thing I've learned about myself for sure is that lyrics have to be really driven by something that I've been through or something that, is said the way that I would say it, you know, um, otherwise I just have a hard time singing it. And so for that reason, I think I haven't gotten many songs, if any looking back that have been on my records that came from those kind of sessions. Um, you know, a lot of my stuff that I end up recording tends to be stuff either I wrote with myself or wrote with people who I've written with a lot or artists that I admire people that I just really feel like I vibe with and, and, uh, feel like more of a musical collaboration rather than a writing appointment, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It feels like probably like the word, like I, I would maybe describe the, the most is like, there has to be a, a level of trust because mm-hmm. you know, it's um, you're kind of like, if you, I don't know, like I, I, not necessarily like that you're wasting an idea. Cause you can always rewrite that idea later,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: like, you know, are you wasting that time or are you like, what's what if, if there's not going to be something out of this, like, is it, you know, I I don't know. Like it feels like you, you know, you said like having maybe like a song already kind of like not all the way finished, but you know, going in a certain direction um, (laughs) that first time, it's like almost like a a testing process. If if (laughs) this is going to work or, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, uh, you passed or you felt, you know, I don't know. Like it, it's <laughs> such a, cause it feels so weird. Cause like I, you know, I, I wouldn't ne- almost, I mean like there's people who do write, um, articles together on something. Right. But that's so rare. It, it feels mm-hmm. like I, that's something that you're like giving up so much power when it becomes totally. at least half or something like that. I don't know. It's, uh, I I've seen I people
1: write books together and I've actually read a book that was written like a fiction book that was written by two people. And I was like, how in the world I can't even imagine how it's so difficult to write with people that you, you know, a song that's three minutes long. <laughs> I can't imagine writing an entire novel together. Um yeah, that's- But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting process. And like you said, I mean, you just kind of have to feel it out and sometimes something magically comes out of it or some, you know, it doesn't and, and, but i've just learned about myself the kind of things that i the circumstances i guess that i tend to get more songs out that i like and 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 so um that typical route hasn't really been one that seemed to serve me musically
0: yeah do you try and like hang out beforehand
1: a what? lot of, i mean i mean i write with a lot of people that i know from whatever, you know, from seeing around or maybe they'd write my publishing company or whatever else. I mean, of course, but, um, but some, you know, occasionally too, I've, I've written a, a good bit with people that I don't know very well, just because people wanted me to write with them or recommended them or whatever else. And so I've been in all circumstances.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's just, I found that like the, the co-writing world, maybe like more interesting, uh, than, like, even just, like, just songwriting in general because it just feels like it's so many... Like, obviously, it has to do with, like, just um, that trust, like I was saying, like, egos and, like, just the chemistry between people and just, um, I don't know, like, even just simple things, you know, that... um, Like you said, like, people wanting to just, like, do it really, really quickly and then other people being a lot more of a slow burner process or I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I. that's the book that I'll write with somebody (laughs) is like the the co-writing (laughs) co-author book. I don't know.
1: That would be funny. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard. Like I said earlier, I write for my, my records, you know, so it's a very different than someone who writes full-time as a songwriter for other artists and it's becoming kind of a dying art in that way because you can't really make money doing that anymore unless you're writing for radio, which is a very narrow, you know, platform. There's only kind of a couple things you can write for that (laughs) platform. And so when you, when, when most of the songwriters in Nashville, which I'm not even in Nashville anymore, so this doesn't really apply to me anymore because I don't really exist in that world. But when I did, um, you know, it feels like, you know, they're, they're writing, they're kind of too much business bleeds into it. Does that make sense? Like, it feels like you feel uncomfortable because you're like, this person doesn't want to write a song for my record. They want to write a song, you know, that to get on the radio or to make a name for themselves as a songwriter, to make money, which is totally a valid thing to do. But, um, you know, that's not really where my head's at when I'm making music. And so just for that reason, it felt like, you know, it didn't really line up with, with what I'm trying to do as an artist and, and, what what i
0: love about music yeah like obviously like i think um it's very very easy to just you know uh, get on the soapbox and just talk about how bad you know top 40 country music radio is top 40 whatever the pop music is right Mm -hmm. um but like there is something to there's definitely like I, i feel like Um, we could all like just get really angry about it and um, but it's so exhausting but like there is obviously (laughs) something to criticize about it it feels like um, so many songs feel like it's just like the algorithm of like what is popular with with people like 18 to 25 and like you know, you have to use keywords, and I don't even know if that's really even the case. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like an algorithm of totally. these are the things, like this, the six things we can sing about, and
1: <laughs> exactly, and we'll just recycle it and just put it in a different order four hundred times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I, you know, and that's fine if that's what people want to do. Cool. It just doesn't speak to me, and it's never been what I'm passionate about. And I think growing up around the music business has made me even more kind of averse to it in, in a way Um, rather than the opposite, you know? So yeah, I just, I've been lucky to grow up around family and, and people who really love music for music's sake. And, and even if weren't, you know, even if we weren't doing it professionally, we would still be doing it just because we love music and care about it being real and honest, you know? And so that's where you know, my inspiration comes from. And, and so just, you know, I don't sometimes align with, with that world for that reason. And, and that's fine. Everybody has their own thing. It's just not my thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I, I, I would, I would pretty much agree, even though I didn't grow up uh, <laughs> around there. Um, and I was going to ask about that though. Like how, has, how is that? Um, I guess like how, how aware were you growing up that like, you know, you had, family that were, um, you know, just obviously famous people, (laughs) you know, or like (laughs) just like super involved in like the act, like the, the music business.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, I was really immersed in it. I wasn't, you know, I know seeing other kids who grew up with parents who are in the music business to people really are to varying degrees involved. You know, maybe they grew up in one place going to a traditional school their whole lives and maybe we're more separated from it. Maybe they had one parent that stayed home or whatever. I didn't have that. You know, everyone in my family does music and I grew up on the road on a tour bus homeschooled, you know, So, so I was very immersed in it. You know, when I was with my dad, I was riding in his car to go while he goes in and sings demos or goes to play with Ricky Skaggs, you know, and then when I'm with my mom, we're on tour and she's opening up for George Trade and then she's coming back on the bus and getting out the tackle box full of my school supplies and doing school, you know what I mean? So it's like, I was just around it all the time. And then, you know, my mom got remarried and my stepdad, um, is a producer and, and the, um, publisher. And so I saw him build his publishing company from literally a basement room to what it is now, you know? And so I've just seen and very involved in and around it and very aware of, of all of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Like it, it, I was talking with somebody uh, the other day about how, It would feel like, I guess, like Nashville is like very similar to, um, like a comparison to like Las Vegas, where it feels like this is like what each of those cities is known for. Like there's where like most, almost everyone is within that realm of what, it's not like a a city like New York, where there's just so many different kind of industries happening Mm -hmm. that like you, you, almost everyone is touched by this one I don't know, like octopus of, you know, like the legs <laughs> go everywhere. Right. And, yeah. um, I don't know, like, it, it just seems like it would feel like growing up, uh, around Nashville, um, would be where like, you just kind of like, no, I don't know. Like, I, I guess what I'm going with this is that like growing up, you would realize that there's like so many different levels of, um, of, of, not necessarily fame, but like of success and of like what the music industry is. It's not just, you know, like not everyone's Alan Jackson and George Strait and Reba, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, there's just so many other jobs that you don't really think about cause they're not on a tour poster, you know,
1: totally.
0: or on the back of a yes. CD or something. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And I was around all that, you know, when I was, when i didn't get a record deal until I was. 7 years old or something like that, 6 or 7 and my dad was playing, you know, with Ricky Skaggs and you know, we lived in a little apartment in Hendersonville and and uh like I said, I saw Frank build his business from the ground up too, so it's just kind of like I've I've experienced and been around every aspect of this business <laughs> really, I feel like I have, you know. And so and what's ironic though about that is that it's so different now, you know, it's so different now from even when I was growing up. So um, so I still feel like I'm learning so much, um, every time I'm doing anything in this business.
0: <laughs> yeah. How, how much did you feel like that you, cause obviously like your sound is not a, like a neo-traditional country sound or like a, you know, I, it's more new Nashville as far as like, you you know, you mentioned Brendan, the and tours and, um, mm-hmm. obviously there's a, a real garage rock kind of a, uh, aspect to to what kind of music you make, did you, did you feel like you, I don't want to say rebelled against like what, um, like, especially like your mother's sound or something like that, but how much of, uh, was it you finding your own lane without, you know, like I guess people thinking that like the only reason you're a songwriter is because your family ties. Totally. Um, well, you
1: know, like I said, first of all, music is like in our blood on a different level than just the business part of it. But yeah, like, you know, growing up, I was around a lot of bluegrass and a lot of traditional music and traditional country music. And, and I love that stuff. And that's a huge influence on me. And I thought when I was a teenager and still think someday I'll make a bluegrass record because I've, you know, I play a little banjo and Ralph Stanley's my favorite singer. And so, you know, I'm really influenced by all of that stuff, but also, you know, i when I was a, probably in middle school to teenage years, listened to a lot of rock music, not just traditional rock like Led Zeppelin and CCR, but, you know, that era of rock, with like the Strokes and the White Stripes and, you know, Franz Ferdinand, I love their first record. And so those two kind of eras of rock really influenced me as well. And I love Nirvana and, and that era too. So um, a lot of it was just truly me sitting down, writing, seeing what came out of me naturally. And then also just the stuff that I really love and making sure that I was representing all of the aspects of, of music that I love, you know? And so I think it all kind of came together and, and created this new thing and, and, I uh, feel like it's really representative of me. And, and, uh, I think some people can see that as a, especially on the business side of things as a flaw because you're not fitting really neatly into a category that has a, a built-in fan base, you know? Um, can be harder to kind of build up your career when your music uh, is living in its own space. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, I feel like to do anything else would not be representative of who I am. I love traditional country music. I love bluegrass music. Um, I don't think doing just one narrow thing full time would be representative of all my influences and who I am as an artist and, and what I love, you know, I think I've got a little too much, fire and edge to be doing that and feel like I'm doing everything
0: I want to do. Yeah. You know, what's weird I feel is that, um, I, I, okay. So like, you'll see this on people's Facebook on like their, the pages that they they have, whatever, insert artists here. And then like under their influences, they'll list like 150 people. (laughs) And you're (laughs) like, "No, no, 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 no. You're confusing. Like, being influenced and just liking those bands. Like you're probably <laughs> yeah. like in your influence like no of course like I think like you can go either way of like I am you're informed by just popular music in general. You know what I mean? Like that's but you know, um yeah. I, I find it so strange where you're you see like <laughs> especially here in Texas you see Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark listed under everyone's influence and I'm like I, I don't hear that I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> what you're talking about but
1: <laughs> yeah I think you can draw a pretty clear line to some of my like I can name you you know the people that really like you know I love Steve Earl um I love Led Zeppelin you know I love like I said all the music Jack White produced I love the Alison Krauss and Robert Plant record and I think you know as much as my music I think Drawing all this influence together created something new, but I think you can also hear those things in, in my music and hear how much I really listen to those records. Cause I'm, I'm somebody who I do listen to a ton of music across all genres. But like you said, there's certain things that kind of dug into my soul and really, really are my favorite. Buddy and Julie Miller, probably one of my biggest influences, you know? So, um, so yeah, those are things that I can feel like definitely directly affected the kind of music I make.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned, you know, like the the Raising Sand. Like that is like just a a again like a, a very atmospheric record. Um and you know what's what, what's interesting though too, about just going back to Led Zeppelin is yeah, like obviously there is like the 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 rock and roll if we're just like even just looking at like the song Rock and Roll Ride or like um immigrant song being like these hard rock songs but like obviously like those people those guys were like so influenced by british folk music and it's not too far away from bluegrass
1: mm-hmm. you know so even i like totally the- agree and i say like there's a common thread i can i can kind of draw through like bluegrass music that i love like they're really raw good stuff like ralph stanley and and then like even blues music that was influenced that I was influenced by like Robert Johnson and, and that kind of stuff to me that all kind of has a similar raw like just super emotionally soul driven music, but also, um, simple, like the, the songs and the music are so simple, especially in blues and bluegrass. And, and that really, um, influenced me as well. as I think with songwriting and just the kind of songs that I've listened to naturally or the kind of songs that I write, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah, the it's it's sometimes so funny how like I think sometimes we can like overcomplicate s- stuff, right? Like sometimes like the best music, like just think about you mentioned Robert Johnson or like Hank Williams. Uh they captured a very specific raw emotion and sometimes you just you can't get any better than than that just them
1: just saying and it, it simply yeah I'm just yes, yeah it's about the for me and that's people so, you know when people say like are you driven by lyrics or, or melody like I'm a huge melody person because I think that's what makes music music and so for me it's more about the the impression that you're putting on a song when you're listening or, or that you're getting from the song when you're listening um you know if you know that band Sigur Rose, R- R- i I'm gonna say their name wrong they're from Iceland or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> they um made a whole record where their lyrics were gibberish (laughs) like um which sounds silly but uh it's a beautiful record and they're not saying any real words (laughs) you know what I mean and so I think Mm -hmm. there's like there's something deeper than just uh being overly wordy and flowery with your lyrics that that speaks to me as an artist but I know that's not you know that's not how everyone loves to consume music or listen to music but but um I love music for music's sake and I love simple stuff
0: yeah, like, like one of my favorite bands is Explosions in the Sky. And, of course, like, you know, that's just post-rock. And I, I think, like, the 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 thing about it, though, that people have a hard time, because um, I, I don't know, like, I think that they can, they definitely, people can draw uh, and feel, like, the emotional swell of, of that kind of music. But it's hard to um, describe why. You know what I mean? Like it's because, mm-hmm. like even like with me, like it, sometimes I'm like you. You're just kind of at a loss of like why you have this emotional pull from a song without any lyrics. You know, it's it's <laughs> very easy to just like oh, I the reason I like this song or it, you know, it makes me feel this way is because of these lines. You know, it's so easy to make those connections. While sometimes like just the if it's just music, it's hard to just. uh to describe it
1: totally so. and that's the it's like when you listen to music like that and you have like a moment with yourself and the music it's like yeah it's indescribable that's like the magic of it you know so yeah that's the stuff you know like driving late at night listening to a song that like you said the melody touches you or whatever i just feel like there's some magic there and there's no need to explain it it's just <laughs> who knows where it comes from it's it's great you know
0: yeah yeah it's just it's um yeah it's the mystery of it all right it's just the mm-hmm. I don't know it's just something I don't know it's a part of me like as a journalist wants to know exactly why but then also <laughs> I'm like just let it be like you don't have to figure out everything <laughs> totally <laughs> so anyways um yeah it's been really great talking with you about uh your music and just music in general Thank you so much for yeah.
1: having me. Yeah, it feels glad like glad I sp-
0: got to speak to you. I would like to talk on Twitter or whatever. All right, guys, thanks for listening to New Slang. Be sure to check out Aubrey Sellers' latest album, Far From Home. Check out episode sponsors Smith Iron and Design and Wickers Jalapeno Jelly. I'll see you next week for more New Slang
1: episodes.